Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Jens Heitland Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland and welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. How are you doing? Jens, I'm great. The snow's uh, in abundance here in Chicago, but I'm warm and I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure having you on the show. It's really cool to have another expert on, on retail and uh, other topics I'm really interested in as well. But before we dig into all of that and into your perspective, who are you? Tell us a little bit about your story and to, to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, and thanks for the opportunity to do that. So I was born in the 60s in North London, 1963 to be specific. You can all work out how old I am. We grew up, I'm one of three boys. I'm a middle child. Both my brothers served in the Royal Navy, which was, uh, which was a big thing for our, our family. It wasn't for me. So when I left school at 16, I went to work for a bank for six months, which I absolutely hated, <laughs> absolutely hated. And so after consultation with my parents about how much I disliked my job, the deal was I could either go in the Navy or I could look for another job, but I couldn't leave until I found another job. So I found a job in an insurance company in the center of London, which as you can imagine, was equally as, as yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> soul destroying for me. So I'm now kind of 17 and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And an opportunity came up to join a management training scheme for what was then probably the second largest retailer in the UK called FW Woolworth. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be many people listening to this, watching this that remember them. For those of you that don't, if you're in the UK, they're kind of like, they were the prerequisite of Wilkinson's, I guess. Here in the US, they were the prerequisite maybe to Target. But it was a seasonal operated business. Lots of Christmas decorations, lots of Easter eggs. One of the jokes in, in Woolworth was you always knew it when it was Christmas because the Easter eggs were coming in the back door. You know, it was that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I managed to, to get myself onto this management training scheme. My first store was literally five minutes walk from home in, in North London. And I worked with... Probably, and I still consider him today to be one of the most talented retailers and retail mentors that I've ever, ever met. A guy called Bob Monksfield, who had risen, had risen through the ranks and had become the general manager of what was, I think, about the third or fourth largest store in the country at the time. Hugely respected by the board and the senior executives in the business. And I learned so much from that man. I mean, just so much. The initial thing I think was, well, I turned up day one, you know, suited and booted, not that I wear a shirt and tie much these days. 
And of course, the first thing that they do is they send you off to the stockroom for three months to learn how to unload lorries and stack shelves and sweep the floor and bail card. That's what got me hooked onto retail. And from there, I, I moved into a couple of sales roles. I just wanted the next challenge all the time. Mm. And eventually was headhunted by a, a man who was starting this business that we called commercialization. People will know now as pop-up retailing, I guess, mm. but was looking for somebody that had a retail experience and, and a sales experience. And I was, I was a perfect fit. And within a short while, I actually bought the company off of the, off of the guy because he, he wanted to do other things. And so my journey then into pop-up retailing began. And, and since then, I've built and sold a number of businesses in that industry, some focused on the DIY big box type stores, some, mm. some of them focused on, on grocery and wholesale stores, and then in more recent years on, on shopping malls where you really got into retailing. And many years into that, we realized that we were, well, actually, we had a lot more to offer than just selling space to somebody that wanted to sell jewelry or, or mobile phone accessories or whatever it might have been. Mm. Moved into coaching and mentoring and then devising marketing strategies for these retailers and taking some retailers, you know, literally in 18 months from one location to, you know, over 100 using that kind of pop-up philosophy. And what I've always said is that there's, there's nothing new about pop-up retailing. It's been around since the beginning of time. We just used to call them markets or souks or bazaars. And what's happened is that it's just gone upscale a bit. You know, we're, we're now designing elaborate kiosks or it, it, it's moved into big brands now real, realizing that to launch a new product, it, what better than to do a pop-up in a, in a mall or in a car park or, you know, a concert venue. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to innovate that idea you know, working with some incredible brands, but also working with some incredible startups and independents, which which just makes me even to this day passionate about retailing completely. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to double click on the pop-up part. For those who have no idea about retail, who are just normal customers, can sure. you explain that to them what you work with, what pop-up retail is? Yeah. So pop-up retailing, two sides to that. You, you can be a, a pop-up retailer, literally where you bring in your own, your own equipment, your own stands and set up, let's say, in a shopping mall. I mean, that's the most common mm. places where you'll see those. And it's generally for a, a short period of time, eight to 12 weeks, maybe. Particularly if you're testing before you, you know, you're thinking of launching a retail concept mm. or you've got a new product. For big brands, they might do that slightly shorter because they're moving it from location to location all the way around. The other side of that is would be an inline, what they call an inline pop-up shop. So that would be taking an, you know, the empty premises in a high street, in a strip mall, in, in a shopping mall as well, and then either utilizing what fixes and fittings you've got in there. And then again, you know, setting up your shop to retail. Yeah. Now, everybody thinks pop-up shops are just about retailing as well. But they're not, you know, you can use them if you're a service industry. So maybe, you know, you do lawn cutting services or you do garage doors or you do guttering. Mm. And it's a great way to connect with the customer face to face. You can qualify the lead. You can really see if, you know, they are genuinely interested. Certainly the consumer gets to meet the, you know, the, the product and touch and feel mm. the product as well. 
So people shouldn't just pigeonhole it as I've got to sell something. It can be used for lead generation or actually just for customer aware, customer awareness. The other thing I think that is good about pop-ups is it does kind of focus the consumer mind to purchasing as well. Hmm. Because if, if you are a pop-up shop, you know, you might only be there for a month. You might only be there for three, three months over Christmas. Or it might be that once the stock is gone, you're gone. And you can use it for, for all kinds of purposes. You know, we, we've had clients that have said, you know, launch new products, test it before they invested in a location. You can use it if literally you don't want to sign a long-term lease. And we'll probably talk about that, how retail is changing, because that's changing quite a lot now anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so you can use it for that if you're kind of an established retailer but want to open up another branch quickly and want to make some sales. It's also really, really good if you're if you're in an over inventory position as well. So yeah. where you've you've got I don't know a quarter of a million dollars worth of stock sat in your in your store basement that you really just don't know what to do with, and it's gathering dust, taking it to a different town, creating a different feel from maybe what your normal retail environment is, and then creating cash out of something that is really just gathering dust. That's another great way of using it, using a pop-up shop. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for explaining that. I think that helps people who are not from that world getting a bit sure. more into that details. I would like to understand your perspective. Let's dive first into innovation. Then we look into what all the different things are changing specifically over the last, let's say the last year is specific, but I think as well, long-term perspective. So what is your view on innovation? And of course, then innovation inside of retail. How important is it? What is it for you? So let's take a step back then, like 10 years. Yeah, mm. if, if we, before mobile phones even, even came along, if people can remember that back that far. You know, the, the innovation then came from people with exciting displays or maybe, you know, building, building good interiors uh, and so on. So people had to be like visually creative, first off. And even in retail today, I think that is still tremendously important. There is nothing worse than walking into a retail environment that is cluttered or is difficult to navigate or is or is simply poorly laid out for whatever reason, right? As we've moved forward, literally from people using debit and credit cards, okay, probably the, the biggest innovation in retail back in the day, you know, when people stopped giving out checks and really began to draw away from using cash and started to hand over a piece of plastic. If you're as old as I am, you probably remember those those damn machines that people used to run up and down in stores and you had to sign a bit of slip of paper and so on. So if you think of the advances of, of just payment technology alone, oh yeah, in terms of chip and pin and now you know swiping or, or, or near-field communication, Apple Pay and all of those sorts of things, I think that's enhanced the customer journey and customer experience an awful lot. And there's still a long way to go. I mean, even, even as you know, you know, with the Amazon Go concept now, where you are literally just picking goods up and walking out, mm. I think we're going to get to, we'll get to that stage in a lot more, a lot smarter way than is currently happening, for sure. So payment technology, I think, is, is, has been huge as far as innovation for that. Of course, that's, that's brought its own challenges with, you know, do you alienate? some of the consumer base because you know they don't have a you know they, they don't have one of these or they're not sure about how to use it and certainly you know millennials and gen z and all the other names that we're pigeonholing people with now are, are kind of coming along it was interesting you were talking about your three-year-old 
when we did our future in retail. And you're absolutely right. What is probably exciting technology still for, for somebody like me and maybe yourself, for them, it's, it's the norm. By the time they're in, you know, she's 15, 16, it will have moved on so much further that we won't even recognize it, I don't think. If you then look at kind of displays and the way that people are using technology for drawing people to a product, you know, the use of the use of video iPads with, with telling the consumer what the product is, you know, a huge advancement that, that you never, ever saw. There is a business that was actually on a clubhouse call I was on just a, a few days ago that now has a chip that you put on the product. And when you pick the product up, it automatically launches the video related to that and starts to talk to you about it. They've been working with Ikea and literally the the whole room set out has one of these little chips in it. Mm. Great technology. They're able to to show the increase in, in sales and, and, and so on. I think some of the other the other real advances have come the kind of back end of, of retailing, the things that the consumer never gets to see. So, mm. you know, the, the way in which we we forecast inventory, the way in which we order inventory, maybe track deliveries and and you know we don't need to have so much going on of course online sales and i know we'll, we'll probably get into that shortly in terms of more recent innovations and, and how that's impacting brick and mortar but again you know there are there are some great products out there where the algorithm will literally tell you when you should be buying when you should be cutting the price and making sure that you're profitable the big disconnect for me with all of this technology is still the human factor though because a customer will want to talk to somebody at some point. And I think that there needs to be a lot more innovation in how we how we train retail staff, how we get them turned on to the idea of, of retail. Lots of people say, you know, the retail is dead, you know, it's the end of retail or whatever. I absolutely disagree with that. I think this is probably one of the best times to be in retail as we come out of the current situation. A, we're going to go into what everybody's calling the roaring 20s again. Yeah, you know, people yeah. are going to want to be out and they're going to want to be socializing. But I just think that if you can get it right, if you can get the customer experience right, if the brand resonates, if the team is good, and, and I don't know, not good, is amazing, you'll be successful both in a brick and mortar situation and probably in an online situation. And that they, they two, the two of them will mesh mm. really, really well to become a well thought of, well followed brand. As, as Simon Sinek loves to say, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I love that phrase. I think it's, yeah. it, it resonates with me so much. And I think that's what, what retailers have got to start to think about. You know, I'm doing this because I want to offer great product. I want to offer great service. You know, I want to be part of our community. I think you're going to see a big resurgence to the high street as well mm. as we come out of that. And there's a whole lot of innovation that, you know, that goes along with that, as we've been seeing with click and collect and curbside, you know, pickups and, and you know, virtual shopping. I spoke to somebody yesterday who's putting together a virtual pop-up shop and is using, you know, six different vendors and it's going to be over, it's going to be three or four hours long. It's going to be this whole kind of shopping experience for those, you know, for just just to try and meet the, the the demand of people that maybe still don't want to go out. But think of the audience you could reach. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
when I was growing up, the prettiest girl, the prettiest girl lived 10 miles away. Prettiest girl in the world lived 10 miles away, right? <laughs> now the prettiest girl in the world could live the other side of the world because you can see them, you know, because of the way the technology is, is, has developed. So our sphere of vision has increased so much in terms of what we can get to, you know, Amazon, you know, and all the other kind of online stores. I just think it's an exciting time to be back in retail. Yeah. If we still keep us in innovation, so you're working with large retailers who are big chains and you, you work at the same time with smaller ones. What do you see the adoption and the way of thinking in innovation? Is, is it different between the two? And, and if you say yes, what is it? And if you say no as well, how do you yeah, see the differences? I, I don't think that there is a difference, actually. I, I think that you can, as an independent retailer, you can take what Target is doing or Walgreens is doing or even what Nike is doing yeah, mm -hmm. in an innovative online virtual way and pick the best bits of that that, that work for you, right? Mm -hmm. So the obvious ones are curbside collections or click and collect, you know? Obviously, the, the whole e-commerce thing is the big driver of that and having the right platform and having the technology that can back up the, the order process and, and so on and the time. And yes, I'm outside your store and all of those sorts of things. But, you know, there's, there's plenty of businesses out there that have come out with products that will rival that for the small independent, yeah. as well as the millions of dollars and millions of pounds that, that big retailers spend meeting that need. So I, I don't think there's a disconnect. I, th I think the challenge comes for the small retailer in getting that message out there to people. That's the key, that they need to be marketing. Listen, you might be you might be driving 10 miles to Target to pick this up, but I'm two miles down the road and I've got it and it actually I'm the same price. Yeah. I mean, how many social media platforms are there now? I'm losing count anyway. <laughs> Look at what everybody is doing around you, I think is the thing, you know, the Facebook lives, Facebook itself. You said you quoted a stat on our, our, our chat. Was it 80% of the planet yeah. now is on yeah. Facebook or something? Yeah. For an independent retailer, that's where you want to go. Target are using it. Why shouldn't you be, right? That, I think, certainly in a, in a community, making sure you've got some kind of community page going as well mm. because that benefits everybody. And I've seen, certainly here in the US, I've seen towns that have had kind of pages set up to, just for dining, you know, who, who's doing what offers and where can you get stuff and so on. And that's been hugely successful for those restaurants in, during the pandemic. So I think that people like the Chamber of Commerce or business leaders in a community should really be looking at that and not think, oh, well, you know, but we've got a website. We don't need that. That's not yeah. what people are looking yeah. at, is it? You know, yeah. get a community Facebook page going, get everybody involved in it, you know, get your offers out there, get conversations out there. Go to my LinkedIn. You'll see 10 things that you can do on social media yeah. that you should be doing, you know, live events, new products talking to customers, customer reviews, and just engage with people. That's the big thing. So, and whether, you know, whether you, you switch that up with TikTok because you might be in fashion or, you, you know, it's LinkedIn because it's more business orientated or it's Facebook or it's Instagram or whether it's Clubhouse or Snapchat or whatever. If you know what your consumer's looking at, that's where your new shop window should be, as well as the glazing that you've got by the front door. And I think that's that's the other thing that lets every retailer down across the planet. I'm serious about that. Retailers 
don't build rapport in store with their customers. They don't know them at yeah. all. Yeah. You know, they're people that come in and buy and they leave. I can think of one example, a brilliant chain in New York called Olive and Betty, a fashion chain, and where the, the, the team is tasked by actually getting to know the customer with something about them. And then they, they actually send them a gift, mm. like a $5 gift related to their conversation. It's a really important part of their sales process. Their customer loyalty is huge. Their brand awareness is huge. Their referrals are huge because they have this amazing conversation going with their, with their customer, right? So if you build up that rapport, Yes, you'd have to do it in store, but you can do it. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on, on Instagram. Yeah. You can do it on Twitter, right? We sell this. What else do you want us to sell? And start to start to really engage and, and, and become, you want to be the go-to guy. You're the go-to guy for innovation, right? I'm the go-to guy for pop-up retailing. Yeah. You want to be the go-to store for light bulbs in your town or whatever it might be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you do that by building up that rapport, that confidence, where people will tell everybody else about you. I'll give you an instance how this reverts back to pop-up, if, if I may. Yeah. Back in the UK, a number of years back, we had a, we had a client who, who did sell actually light bulbs, right? It's not the most exciting product in the world, right? You plug them in, you turn them on, that's what they do, right? Yeah. He had a kind of off-pitch shop that had been there, you know, family-run business for, for a long, long time, but he, he was at that point where he didn't know if he wanted to just pack it in and sell what he could and get out or whether or not he should be trying something different. We came up with a pop-up store for him in a, in a shopping mall, in the local, local shopping mall. He really went all in on it. You've coached people, I'm sure, I know I have, mm-hmm. that you just know they're never going to follow through. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. There's some out there. No, yeah, right? <laughs> This guy was invested 110% in what, what we were going to do, okay, mm. and got signage printed properly. You know, didn't do handwritten signage and, and everything. Anyway, five years down the line, he has this thriving, thriving business now where he uses that shopping mall 12, 13 times a year, has repeat customers, has kind of moved on from – well, I, I just sell light bulbs to selling, you know, some some things that kind of go with it, you mm. know, like little mm. toolkits or batteries or, or whatever, right? It's not a huge business, but he's he's so enthused about what he's doing, right? And one of the reasons for that was he loved to talk to his customers and understand what they wanted. Even back then, you know, was very much into right. How do I get the message out there? We, you know, you know, we'll get it on Facebook and I'll I'll, I'll do a, a silly video or whatever I need to do to get it going. Mm. That for me, just to go back to your original question about the yes and no, I think that's where independent or small retail can't compete in terms of getting the message out as widely, you know, on local television, local radio, whatever. Yeah. But actually locally can compete a lot stronger with we're in the community, we're part of you. Who knows? We can deliver in the hour because they jump in their car and they'll bring it to you. Yeah. And something something yeah. like that. We have an online store, but you can see that we're doing stuff because again from our chat you're working in the store window so people can see that you're actually still in business and doing what you're doing yeah and there's a you know another sale or, or new online sale or what flash you're going on whatever it might be and to that point i think it's 
there's a lot of times the perception, at least what 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 I see a lot is that the smaller retailers or smaller businesses always think that's so expensive to do all of that. I don't believe in that. I see it's like Facebook. Yeah, it's, it's time investment, but in the end, it costs nothing if you mm-hmm. get started, if you're not yeah. building ads and all of that. So it's just figuring out what works and resonates with your customers in the best way and then doubling down on it and engaging with them in the best possible way that creates then possibilities to engage further and bring them into your store. I was well, just talking absolutely. was just talking to a guy who who is they have built up a business which is helping small retailers to get onto Google. As simple as that. And it's it, for them it's a huge business. It's a huge opportunity because I was I was just talking to him yesterday and I was saying, "Hey, when I moved back to Germany, I was Googling, where can I buy this? And I, I wasn't able to find it locally. So I ordered it online from Amazon because there was no one I could find it. I know you can buy it here, buy it, but it yeah. wasn't possible to find it easily. So as easy as that. Actually, you raised that point. If anybody wants to know how to do that, I have a fact sheet for that on, yeah. on how, to, how to get innovated on Google. You can actually use Google for a pop-up shop as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I will put know. a link to that as well, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, into I'll, the show uh, I'll get it to you. As you say, th- th- there's a lot of businesses out there that are trying to help independent retailers. One of the big questions I hear from them is, but I don't have that kind of marketing budget. Well, the internet's free. Facebook, yeah. just a little bit of time. Shoot a 30 second video on one of these. It's authentic. It's, it's real. There's a number of people that I've worked with that you know, there's a shoe shop that, that do, does something every day. They either they get creative and they get silly with it, or they get very serious about you know this is this particular footwear is yeah, for this. Yeah. But they're just trying things all the time. And I think the thing I would say about that to everybody is that you've got to keep doing it. Just because it didn't work the first time, doesn't mean somebody didn't share it with somebody, and somebody isn't watching for what you do next. One hundred percent agree. And I see that a lot because. Hey, but but nobody liked my post or whatever. Only so few people liked it. But that doesn't mean people are not seeing it. And it's also it, it takes a while. The same when which every retailer understands. When you build a store and you just open the door and don't do anything, that doesn't mean that people are coming. And it's the same no. in the online world. You need Look, to absolutely. get yeah. people engaged. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to get your message out there. You've got to engage with them. Listen, I'm not a fan of, of, of chat bots or anything like that. They frustrate me. Maybe it's just I ask the wrong questions. I don't know. But <laughs> but I think you've got to have that conversation, get engaged with them. 78% of people still want to touch, feel, and engage with a product before they buy it, right? If they know they can come to your your pop-up shop, your retail outlet, your garage, you know, your, your market stall, because that's retailing, right? Yeah. Then they're going to come to you if they know you're there. So. Don't be despondent. And there's a there's a whole nother conversation to have around self-worth. In, you know, do we measure our self-worth in numbers of, of clicks and thumbs yeah. up and hearts, oh, yeah. right? I mean, that's a whole psychological <laughs> question that we won't get into today. But it, like you said, just because you didn't, you, you know, you, maybe you didn't see a lot of people liked it doesn't mean a lot of people didn't see it. Doesn't mean that somebody didn't show it to, hey, you see that? I've always wanted one of them. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So keep going. You don't need Hollywood productions either. <laughs> Just keep going yeah. online and offline. So 
Looking into the changing landscape and what the pandemic has made to retail and what's going on, what is your perspective of what's changing and what may be the outcome or your possible predictions are on retail going forward? Sure. So we're, we're coming out of hopefully, you know, maybe over the course of the next six months, you know, probably one of the biggest disasters that we've all lived through in our, in our lifetime. Yeah. And I think what, what that's done as far as retail is concerned is has merely thinned the herd. Okay. Mm-hmm. It has, yes, it has him impacted on, on, on jobs and retailers that weren't as good as they thought they were, weren't as connected to their consumer as they thought they were. And as far as, you know, I think we're going to lose in the U S probably 25% of malls in the next 12 months. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing retailers, converting from brick and mortar to online that's inevitable that doesn't mean jobs are going to disappear with those retailers it just means that hopefully they'll convert them and you know use use that talent pool in other ways i think what that's done for retail is is kind of leveled the playing field a little bit more for independent retailers and and maybe more community based shopping yes it's been exciting with innovation for sure because we've you know we've had to find new ways to shop we've had to find you know, personal shoppers on our phones. I, I haven't seen anybody doing that just yet, but I'm sure it's coming yeah. that you will ring up somebody and or that a store will say, you know, here's all the numbers of our sales staff. They'll walk around with you virtually and, and, and pick your item. Yeah. You know, things like Instacart, DoorDash, Click and Collect, Curbsides, all of those sorts of things have really come to the fore. And yes, you know, well, Amazon's the big winner on this. Well, I'm not so sure yet. I'm not so sure. I think as it plays out, retail is going to come back stronger. Retail will come back more determined because it, it just got through one of its, its biggest challenging times. Mm. It will come back more determined. It does need to innovate. I mean, it, it can't ignore the advancements in technology. It can't ignore consumers' desire to devour technology in any way, shape, or form of our life, right? We wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. You couldn't couldn't have done this 10 years ago, right? As people grow up through this, you know, that consumption for more technology and using it in a way that benefits their life will become even more. I think all retail needs to really embrace whatever is going to work for them in terms of their their consumer base. Now, there's other innovations that have come out, you know, like tracking the consumer because of, you know, this the spread of a pandemic. There's things like there's a business called Qualize who've worked on kind of Bluetooth technology where literally you can, you know, you get a call when you're outside the store to say, come into the store to pick up your prescription. So you don't have to, mm. you don't have to mm. be, you know, be in an enclosed environment if you don't want to do, do things like that. I just think that you've got to embrace it. If you don't, if you just think, oh, well, we made it through, we'll turn, we'll turn the lights on. We'll open the doors. Everything will go back to normal tomorrow. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Just stop for a minute. And do yourself a favor and turn the lights off and close the doors and go and find yourself a job because that's not how it's going to happen. That just isn't going to work. I'm sure there's some some other things that are going to come happen for us uh, in terms of smart marketing on shelving or, or if you see the you know smart fridges where they tell you what you need to order. You know maybe that maybe that's going to be an innovation somewhere within shopping. Will we get to the minority report type of thing where you walk into a store and a bot recognizes you and say, you know, welcome back to Jens to, to, you know, to our store. 
who knows? I'd like to think you might get to that, that it becomes personal, that shopping is a very personal thing. It's a very, mm. it's an emotional thing. I mean, it, it, shopping in, in some ways can be like going to the theatre, you know, that, that you do want to be entertained. You do want to come out feeling that you've you got value or you feel inspired or you feel good. So just embrace it. And if you're a small retailer, just be open to it. Just don't think you can't compete because I actually believe you can. Yeah, yeah. love that. So how, how do you work with retailers as you're the expert? So imagine I'm a retailer and I, I would say, hey, I'm struggling a little bit in this situation. I have this and this and this. How would they engage with you? How, how does it work? Let's take the, the over-inventory scenario. Yeah, let's say you're a retailer you're, and you realize you've got a thousand boxes in the basement of X product and you, you don't know what to do with it. Then the way that I work with those particular retailers is we'll devise a a pop up strategy to to convert that dead stock into cash for you, mm. and we will look at who your consumer is, where's the best place for that, find you the best location, get you the best deal mm. for that location, and then work with you to create that as a pop up event. So you know the marketing of the event, the the, the hosting of it, maybe there's an online function to that. There's certainly the social media in, interaction. So it's, it's almost like a turnkey solution for that. If you're, a, if you're a product that you want to test before you invest, it's exactly the same thing. You know, all those components fit in, mm. although what we're looking to drive now is, is reaction rather than sales, maybe, or we're looking to get engagement with the consumer to get the ideas to tweak the product. With larger retailers and with landlords, it, it's generally around what their pop-up strategy might be. In terms of what space do I have available? How can I best utilize it? How do I go out into the marketplace and speak to retailers? What do I need to provide? And then work with them on that strategy in terms of how do you market to those people? And then when you bring them in, how do you develop them? One of the best landlords that I've seen for doing this is Westfield that will bring somebody in as a kind of kiosk operator And we'll almost put them through. I call it Westfield University, it isn't, but that's my name for it. They nurture them through a small pop-up into a, into a permanent kiosk, into an inline store, yeah. then, yeah. you know, into, into other locations. And so, you know, working with people like that can be tremendously exciting and very rewarding. I do a number of workshops for, for retailers. So the Seven Secrets to Pop-Up Success is a workshop that, that we do quite regularly, which takes everybody through the seven components that make a great pop-up store yeah. or make a yeah. make a great pop-up event through you know location and teamwork and and all of those sorts of things there are several books that are available i mean interesting you talk about innovation this was the first book that i was ever involved in it's called the the business secrets of the business wealth accelerators 33 of us got together in a month and wrote this book that in itself was a piece of genius let me tell you But there are there are 32 great people in there, plus myself, for it, over all kinds of walks of life and in business. Some of it is a little out of date because it, it you know they refer to social media algorithms and, and what you can can and can't do. But some of it, like pop up retailing, business coaching, publishing, accounting, is, is very much the same. And that inspired me to then write my first book, which was make an exhibition of yourself which was the kind of how-to guide to, to doing pop-up shops. Can you give us a little bit more about that? So yeah. So what it does is it takes you step-by-step step through what you need to know about doing, doing a pop-up shop. 
first of all, busting some myths about how much money it might cost and how many people it would be involved and and what you may or may not need. Mm-hmm. Remember that in, in shopping malls, for instance, you know, there's a lot of resource that they have that's free for you, like, like you know, empty kiosks or retail merchandise units. So mm-hmm. people think, oh, I just don't have the, the, the fixtures and fittings to do a pop-up shop. You might not need them because the mall might have them. Right? Yeah, so yeah. That, that's one good thing. So busting the myth about the cost of it, and it's not as expensive as, as people might think. And then, you know, the best places to go and the sorts of things that you should be doing and how you should be marketing that, you know, how you should be displaying where you want to be located in the mall or in the event, depending on what's going on. So it's all those kind of helpful things. And then what I did with that was recreated that for the American market, which is called pop-up shops for for beginners, how to be a success in in shopping malls, which is a free ebook. If anybody wants it, wants a copy of that, we'll come back to that. But again, that just looks at it from a, a kind of US perspective, perspective, because there are some there are some differences in how Europe and the UK operates to how how the US mm-hmm. operates, as far as that's concerned. But the principles are the same; it's just the mechanics. That I think is has been tremendously helpful, and I would encourage anybody who's in business watching that, if you haven't thought about writing a book, to write one. You know, because. It's a great marketing tool. It's it, it's been one of my best marketing tools for me. I'm on that. I'm looking into that right now. Good man. You know, you absolutely we, should. We, we, we need to discuss that offline later. <laughs> <laughs> I have always a, a specific question I'm asking anyone who is on the show. So if you would have the possibility working with a specific project that's creating an impact throughout the whole world, like everyone in the whole world would be impacted by this project, this particular thing you would be doing. What kind of thing would that be? What project would you launch and why? Wow. I've done a lot of stuff, interviews, and no one's ever asked me anything like that again. <laughs> so for me, it would be built around kindness. Mm-hmm. Kindness is the only currency that is welcomed anywhere in the world, right? It never loses its value. It doesn't matter which country you go to. It's always accepted. You can spend it anywhere. And if your kindness bank account is empty at the end of the day, by the next day, it's full back up again for you to spend. So for me, it would be about just bringing people together in in acts of kindness. I mean, mean completely random. I don't mean, Mm. you know, huge projects. I just mean it could be as simple as carrying groceries out of a store for somebody to their car. It could be you want to start a, a, a non-for-profit. It, it's too big a, it's too big an idea, I think, to be very specific yeah. for me right now trying to answer this question. But it would be around trying to bring people together. The whole world's just just fragmented right now for whatever reason, yeah. right? I mean, the US is a, is, a, is a great example of that. But just bringing people together to go – we all have the same working parts underneath us. You know, we, we have this this thing here that we only ever use X amount of percent of. Mm. So why don't we try using some of it for good and kind? And, and it could be a kind word, a kind gesture. Can I tell you a quick story? Of course. Um, about something that happened happened to me. A few years ago, I, I lived somewhere else here in Chicago, and I had an office that I would walk to, and it was like a 10-minute walk. Mm. Beautiful. I used to walk through a park, and it was... It was a lovely, a lovely walk. But I would come out the, the, the door and I would walk to the end of the road 
and there's a zebra crossing. We call it a zebra crossing in the UK. Everybody knows them here as crosswalks, okay? And on the crosswalk was a lollipop lady. And, and again, that's a crossing guard for people in the US, yeah? Mm. And the first time we, I, I walked past her, we just smiled like you do, right? Because if you smile at somebody, the first thing they do is smile back. So we'd smile. And over the course of that week, you know, I would, we would smile, right? Week two, I was kind of saying good morning and she was saying good morning back, mm. right? So, so we're now building up this rapport. It's like this three-second interaction I've got every day. Yeah, yeah. So over the course of, of several several weeks, that smile, hello, got into a how are you, how was your weekend, have a nice weekend, that kind of mm. interaction, mm. yeah? And it's like it's joyful, you know. I'm now looking out for my crossing garden, and because I want to say good morning, because she's mm. part of my morning. Mm. Anyway, we get to we get to the winter, not unlike what we've got right now. And it's there's snow on the ground, and it's freezing, freezing cold. Okay, and I walk out, and my crossing guard lady is is there, and she, you know, she stops the traffic. And as I walk past, she's got she's holding her her big stop sign. She's got no gloves on, and it's like. Minus 10. Mm. And I'm like, Ooh. you've got no gloves on. I just took my gloves off and said, look, I'm going to put my hands in my pocket. You just had those. I don't need them. I've got another pair at home. Take them. I said, no, no, no. Take them. I don't need them. And I just carried on to work. And then the next morning, she had her gloves on, and I felt really, you know, anyway. So we get to, I think it's about the week before the Chris, the week before the kids break up for Christmas, because they only work, you know, because like school, school yeah. hours. Yeah. And I, I come out and, you know, I look down the road like I always do. And there's my crossing guard and she sees me, but then she disappears. Right. And then when I get to, when I get to the crossing, she suddenly appears again and she presses into my hand, this little wrapped up Christmas gift with a bow on it. Mm. And it's, mm. it's some chocolate coated almonds. And she said, I just wanted to say thank you for making my morning. I'm getting quite emotional <laughs> just thinking about it. I'm sorry. Random acts of kindness. Yeah, love that. That's that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. It yeah. just starts with a smile, you know, and that absolutely, absolutely made my day. Absolutely made my day. And um, when I moved, I, I actually went to say goodbye. So you know, I'm moving to another part of town. So I went to say goodbye to her. And if I could be involved in a in a project that was related to you know kindness and just people being a bit more accepting of other people's opinions of just we've all got to rub along right i mean I'm, I'm one of three boys you know we fought like cats and dogs <laughs> as children but we all got along and, and and i'm blessed and thankful that you know they're they're the, the rocks in my life you just got to get along with people mm. you know and that transmits through into business transmits 100%. through into business yeah and, and, it, and, and it transmits into into retail it transmits into social media it transmits into innovation we should be doing things for good. Love that story. Thank you very much for sharing it. So slowly getting towards an end, where will you be in a year from now? Early 2021. You can go personal, business-wise, doesn't matter. It's like A year from now, I love living in Chicago. I'm still going to be in Chicago, I think. I would like to get back to speaking more. It is a passion of mine. I love sharing knowledge. I would hope that we see the resurgence of maybe a bit more on stage stuff. Maybe doing some some more TV. I do TV for TD, the TD Ameritrade Network as a as a retail commentator. So maybe doing some more of that. I would like to have impacted as many retailers as I possibly could 
to continue the survival of retail because retail isn't dead, as I said, and to see them going from strength to strength and have worked with, you know, emerging technologies in retail and new, just people with new ideas. The thing that I think has carried me along and, and like everybody in business and everybody in life, you know, I've had my dark times, the same as everybody else. Times when things haven't been great and, yeah. and sometimes when you just can't believe how good they are, right? You have to pinch yourself. But the thing I think that's always carried me along is I've always been fortunate to be connected with great people, you know, people that have inspired me or and kind of dragged me along when maybe I shouldn't. But I, hopefully I've done the same for them. Yeah. But then yeah. have have wanted me to have kept me engaged and motivated to do better and offer more. And, and you know, I'm a huge believer in giving the value up front with people. So I think to have impacted as many people as I could for good in terms of retailing, pop-up retailing, ideas, to be thankful and blessed to still be around. Yeah. Cool. How do you keep yourself up to date on trends and what's going on? What are the sources you're using more often? The internet is obviously an amazing tool for that. I'm certainly, you know, I have various alerts set up for articles. Obviously, I, you know, I follow a lot of the guys that are, really at the forefront of, of retailing as such mm. i read as much as i possibly can certainly you know engaging with people on, on linkedin meeting new people and listening to their ideas mm. i know that we you know there's a danger that we do live in an information overload so more recently i've tried to avoid the news like you know the general news yeah. and just focus yeah. on the things that are really that are really important for, for me and, and for my health and the health of my business, following the right people on LinkedIn and, and reading, being part of groups, community groups, being part of chambers of commerce and, and influencers like that is important. As I said, I think, you know, you, you can get into information overload. I always want to try and stay very current for the people that I'm working with as well. Mm. You know, it's okay to kind of be, a jack of all trades and master of none. But that may, for me, that doesn't mean you get anything really done well. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. good, but yeah. you don't excel, you know? And what I want to do with the people I work for is excel for them. I want, I want them to go away and go, I want to work with that guy again. Or Fred, you need to go and work with him because he knows what he's talking about. That's kind of how I do it. So before we wrap up, where can people find you? How can people reach out to you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn at Stephen A. Brooks. You can email me at steve at thepopupexpert.com. They're the two main places. You'll find me on Instagram as the retail specialist. You can find me there. Uh, you can search the, uh, the pop-up expert website. You'll, you'll find me there as well. But if you would like a copy of that free book we talked about, pop up for beginners, how to be a success in, in shopping malls, just drop me an email or, or click on a link here and DM me on, on any of those platforms. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen A. Brooks as well. Uh, you'll find me in Clubhouse now and you'll find me on, on the Mighty Network, which is a fabulous new platform for young retailers and emerging retailers. You'll find me on the Mighty Network as well. So that's yeah. kind of all the places. I will put all the, the things in the show notes that people can reach out to you. So last last point, any, anything you would like people to know, anything you we have forgotten to talk about you want to shout out to the people out there? 
I think the only thing I want to say is, listen, time is the biggest gift that we can give anybody, I think. For anybody that listened to this, thank you from, from, from me for taking the time to listen to this because that means a lot to me. Retail isn't dead. Don't believe, and I don't want to use the term fake news, but, but don't believe all that you read about the death of retail. Retail is on the up. It's, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a career in retail, don't stop, go on. Retail is innovating, retail is creative, and retail connects us with other people, which is what we've all been missing. If you need any help with anything retail related, come and find me. I'd love to talk to you. I talk to people for free, by the way, Jens, all the time. Yeah. You know, and I'm, yeah. I always have been happy to just just listen to a problem and maybe offer some, some suggestions. You know, people aren't always on the clock with me. For me, it's about I've got over 35 years of experience of, of things that probably people wouldn't even have thought of mm. to do with retail. And, and I love sharing that knowledge. So I'm always happy to talk to people. Awesome. Thank you, Stephen, for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Jens. Great. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.